0: Well, good morning. I hope everybody's doing well. Today we are kicking off a new series, The Story of Us. You know, throughout the series, we're going to be looking at different people that's highlighted in what's known as the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11. And we'll kind of dig into their stories because what we see in the Bible is that no person or family is perfect. We're all just a bunch of ragamuffins. Even those biblical greats that we read about in the Bible had to work through some family and personal dysfunction in order to find their ability to be complete in God's story in their life. You know, we're all just a bunch of messed up people trying to walk through this messed up world, trying to figure out what is this life all about. And we're no different than they are. We're in the same boat. And today we're going to be talking about uh, two brothers that we see and read about in the very beginning of the Bible story. In fact, the the person that's highlighted in Hebrews 11 verse 4 about Cain and Abel, the verse says, by faith... Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offerings, his, and by his faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. You know, Through his faith, God did something extraordinary. But you know what we see in this relationship between Cain and Abel, these two brothers, is how competitive our world really is. I mean, the reality is we see a little competitive nature between Cain and Abel that plays out in their story in Genesis chapter 4 that we'll be talking about today. Our world is extremely, extremely competitive in so many different ways. You know, every one of us finds ourselves oftentimes in relationships where we're trying to one-up the other person. You ever find yourself in that boat? Someone tells, you tell a story and the other person's like, I got a better story. Or I try to do this, well, I did this even better. You know, and we're constantly finding ourselves in relationships trying to one-up each other in order to, to be better. You don't believe me? Just look on social media, on all the YouTubes and the face snaps that are out there. Right? We see how the world is always trying to one up each other and do something even more and more because the root cause of all of our relational competitiveness or rivalry, if you will, is to fulfill the deep needs that we all have, and that is affirmation, attention, and affection. You know, when God created you, He created you specifically for relationships. And within those relationships, He's hardwired you with deep rooted needs. Every one of us has them the need for affirmation, the need for attention, and the need for affection. And here's the thing. When he created us in the perfection of the garden, he created us primarily for a relationship with him where all those needs would be fulfilled. Unfortunately, when sin entered the world, it destroyed it all. And now we find ourselves on this quest in our life, to fulfill all those needs. And we live in a broken and dysfunctional world that's compiled by so much confusion and that this world just creates the reality of this race that we're in, this constant competition to try to fit in, to fill those needs, fulfill those needs whatever in any way that we can, the need of affirmation, attention, and affection. And sadly, because the world is broken, because we're broken, Let's just be honest right away. We're all broken in some way. We're all dysfunctional in some way, myself included. You don't believe me? You can ask my wife. She'll tell you how messed up I am. We're all at some level dysfunctional. So can we just be honest with that? We need to be honest with that because Unfortunately, because of all the brokenness in our lives and all the confusion that the world creates, we try to fulfill our God-given relational needs in other ways because it ultimately was broken between us and God. And this just leaves us searching and searching and searching and competing and competing and competing in relationships. Why? To fulfill those needs to fill that connection. And here's the problem with all this. We tend to feel very other than when our emotional needs are not meet. And I bet safe to assume that there's many sitting in this room right now or many watching online in this moment that you can say, Bill, I feel other than. I, I feel kind of left out. I feel like I don't fit in. I feel like I'm on the outside looking in. And it all comes back to the same race that we're all in, trying to fulfill these needs. You know, and it just develops that competitive cycle to fit in. It's like when we were kids, maybe you're like me when elementary, you go out in the playground, right? And what did you do on the playground? Well, it's kickball time, right? So what happens at kickball time? Well, you choose two, you choose two captains. And then what do the two captains do? They began to choose their teams. And every one of you who are in that moment, I know you felt it just like me. Please don't let me be picked last. Please don't let me be picked last. Why? Because when we're picked last, last, we feel very other than. Well, they picked me last. Why? Because I can't kick the ball as far. I can't run as fast. I'm more clumsy. And you can put that into any criteria you want. Maybe it's athletics. Maybe it's the way you look. Maybe it's the job you have. Whatever it has, we all find ourselves. We kind of fit ourselves in our box. We try to compare ourselves to somebody else. And if we don't fit in, we feel other than. Every one of us has that, deals with that. And it all goes back to the struggle within our our hearts, and the deep-rooted need of how God created you and hardwired you for relationships to find attention, affirmation, and affection. And before we know it, we're in this relational cycle just constantly playing out. And did you know this happened all throughout history? In fact, you go back to the very beginning in Genesis 4, right after the garden, right after Adam and Eve kind of messed it all up and brought sin into the world, we see this relational cycle begin to play out. You know what that tells me? We're no different. We are no different. Even the people from the beginning of time struggle with the same fundamental relational struggles that you deal with and I deal with. We all deal with it. Let's just be honest with it. And this is when we run into Cain and Abel. Their story is found in Genesis chapter four, right after the, the consequences of sin. Cain and Abel, if you did not know this, are the sons of Adam and Eve. And right away, we see their story, or we see they're introduced into the story in, in Genesis 4, verse 2. Now Abel kept the flocks, and Cain worked the soil. I think it's very interesting. Our first introduction to Cain and Abel is their occupation. I think so often in our life, we try to find our identity based upon what we do, and we try to fulfill our God-given needs based upon what we do. And I think we see that reality right away, immediately after sin entered and messed everything up, you see mankind in this kind of confusion state what do I identify myself with? Because in the garden, when everything was perfect, we identified, mankind identified in their relationship with God. And then once that was destroyed, we're trying to fulfill our God-given needs. Who do I identify with? And then we began to say, well, I identify myself based upon what I do. And then here we see Cain and Abel immediately being identified by their occupation, That's who you are. And then before you know it, you find your worth or lack of worth based upon what you do. And it's an endless cycle of competition and rivalry and competitiveness that we find ourselves in. And there, we see Cain and Abel. You know, here's the reality, my friends God never created you. He did not create me or any of us to find who we are based upon what we do. That was never where we were supposed to find our identity or our self-worth. But because we tried to fulfill our God-given emotional and relational needs based upon that, we're in this endless cycle of rivalry with each other and with those all around us. Because we tried to fulfill our deepest emotional needs based upon What we do, because we think we are what we do, but we're not. We're not. God never intended that way. For Cain and Abel, we quickly learned their occupations. Abel, the Bible says, kept the flocks. Cain worked the soil. But if you actually dig into the Hebrew text here, it's fascinating, because work the soil actually is translated uh, verbatim, servant of the ground. Cain's job, his occupation, was to be a servant in, to the ground. So, in other words, he found his self worth by serving the land. Now, this is in direct echoing effect of the curse that we see in Genesis 3. When Adam fell prey to the sin and Eve fell prey to the sin, they they would have to work the land. And here we see that playing out right now in Genesis chapter 4. Cain's role was to serve the ground as a consequence to his father's disobedience. I'm sure he's thinking every day when he's pulling those weeds, Thanks, Dad. Love it. Love pulling weeds, Dad. And there he was. Probably disappointed because, well, I'm dealing all, with all the circumstances because of what my dad did. And can I just tell you something? Because we've led ourselves to believe that what I do does never affect anybody else. But right away, we see the reality of sin and our own choices. You cannot escape it. Everything you do has a consequence on somebody else, good or bad. Everything you do. It's called collateral damage, relational collateral damage. And right away, we see Cain dealing with the relational collateral damage of his dad and his mom's choices. And I'm sure he's out there pulling those weeds, and he is just getting ticked off. He's getting ticked off. He doesn't like it. He's getting annoyed with it. This is not what I wanted to do. This is not what I'd be. There has to be something better for me in life. You ever have that thought? I'm sure Cain was dealing with that right there. See, the curse, when we allowed sin to come into the world, developed conflict. That's what it did. And it became a whirlwind of consequences because of our own choices and a constant quest for identity. Now the, the relationship was shattered. When I was supposed to find who I am in God, now who am I? It's the constant quest of identity that the world has been in ever since the garden. The conflict just festered and grew, festered and grew, and here we see the escalation of the estrangement in the relationship between God and mankind itself. You know, in the garden, there was an intimate relationship between mankind and God. Uh, intimate conversations. The ability to be like, hey, God, you want to go sit on the park bench and hang out? It was a close relationship, and now it was completely destroyed. In order to come into the presence of God, there had to be an offering of some sort that you had to bring to get to God. Now, this is where we pick up in the story with Cain and Abel. There's some things that we're just led to understand within this story. You know, at some point, they realized the importance and the needs to bring an offering to God. We don't know how they knew it, but based upon where the story picks up, they knew they had to bring an offering to God to have a relationship with him. And there they are, Genesis 4, verses 3 through 5. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But Cain, but on Cain, his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. He was disappointed. See the difference between the two? Abel brought his best, his first, to God of what he worked. Cain, the Bible says, brought some. It's kind of like whenever food drives come around, Come on, we know some of us do this sometimes. And it's like, oh, we need to bring some cans of food for the the food pantry. And what tends to happen? Sometimes you think, boy, I can bring the best canned food that I have in my pantry or go to the store and get some of the best stuff. Or, boy, those cans have been sitting there for a while. It'd be nice just to get rid of them. And so you grab those cans to give away, right? Oh, come on, we know some of you have been there. And that's what Cain did. The Bible says he brought some. I can only imagine, he's probably thinking, well, this fruit kind of has been sitting out there. It's going to expire soon. So why don't we use that to give to God? I mean, it's going to go to waste anyways. When God says, I want your best. I want your first. Abel got that. Cain didn't. And this is the first reference we see to the reality of offerings to God and the fundamentals of those offerings of giving the first and the best that we see play out all throughout Scripture all the way through the New Testament. You know what this tells us? The importance of obedience. You see, my friends, obedience reveals the heart. What's inside of you ultimately comes out of you. Jesus put it this way in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You see, you cannot get around it. What Jesus is saying here is what what we see play throughout all of the Bible. What is inside of you ultimately comes out of you. You cannot hide it. You cannot run away from it. Your life, your words, your actions, and your attitudes reveals the reality of your heart. You know, people will tell me a lot of times, and sometimes I even say, well, you don't don't really know my heart. Yeah, I might not know everything about your heart, but I can see your heart right now. I can see it, because you can't hide it. The Bible also says your sin will find you out. You can play the secret game all you want. But eventually, the light will shine. Your secrets will come out. That's what the Bible teaches. And I've seen it play out in so many times with so many people in so many relationships. What's inside of you comes Out of you and your ability to walk with God and be obedient to God reveals your heart towards God. We don't know why Cain held back, but we do know it was a reflection of his heart. It was a reflection of where he stood. Maybe his disappointment with God, his anger with God. You know, because our heart is revealed in all that we do and our connection with God. And like Cain, sometimes. Come on, guys, I'm here with you. Sometimes we get frustrated with God in the area of obedience because when we get down to it, none of us likes to be told what to do, how to do it, or how to live. Come on, we don't like that. That's the human nature. That's our heart. I struggle with it. But the reality is this, obedience is a reflection of our heart, and God's obedience is a pathway towards his goodness. That's what it's all about. See, God is not just some evil, mean old guy sitting up there telling, well, I want to tick Bill off today. And so I'm going to tell him to do this because I want him to miss out on some fun in life. Do you know that's actually the devil's lies to us? The, 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 the heart of the devil's scheme and tactics to pull us away from God is to make us think God is hoarding out on us. That if we follow God, life is not going to be as good. In fact, that's the exact lie that he used with Adam and Eve at the, in, in the garden. You know, God's, he's, he's not telling you the whole story. He's hoarding out. I mean, if you really did this, If you really ate this fruit, then you could really enjoy life. Then you would really understand. You'd see everything a lot better. He knows that. He doesn't want you to get that. That's the devil's lie. To think that we are missing out by being obedient to God. But can I just be honest with you? The more we follow our own hearts, the more we mess mess up. The more we miss out. And that's what we see here. God's Obedience is God's pathway towards his best. He wants to guide us towards what's best for our lives. And that's why he guides us and gives us, this is how you should live. This is the choices you should make. This is how you connect with me. The problem is, we think we know what's best for our life. There's many times when Bill sits around and I'm thinking, I know what I should do. I know what's best for me. And then guess what? I just mess it all up. I just mess everything up because we tend to feel, we tend to think what is best for our life based upon what we feel. But here's the problem with that. Feelings always change. Your feelings change by the circumstances you are in all the time. So feelings cannot be that set point to guide us to do what is right, what is wrong, which way should I choose, what choices should I make in my life. If you're basing your truth and your direction in life based upon what you feel, you're going to run off course. I mean, think about it. If you're out there in a boat and you're out there in the middle of the ocean, you're thinking, okay, here's this little twig in the water. That's going to be my set point. So let's just keep that as as our focal point so we know which way to go. Guess what? You're gonna go who knows where, because Wilson, he's floating away. Okay, 90s movie, cut it out. You guys are probably like Bill, stop with the 90 references. But here's the thing. When we base upon what is truth on what we feel, we're just like in the middle of the water, and the current's gonna take us wherever the current wants to go. And that current is this life, this world. We can't trust what is right or which direction to go based upon what feels right, and then before you know it, this changes everything about you, your heart, your attitude, how you respond, and all your relationship with God and with others. You know, when our basic emotional needs are not met, we search for, in our own heart, we all do it, and then this begins to change our attitude, our actions, and our life, and so many relational and internal frustrations develop when our basic needs are just not met of being, of the attention, the affirmation, and the affection. And when those aren't met and you feel other than, then you get those frustrations. That was Cain. That was Cain. When I read this story, I see a man who felt right or wrong, very other than. He was trying to connect with God, maybe even with his brother. And he felt like the kid on the playground who was just last picked. And there he was. And he was disappointed with God. And we see that attitude change. And I think maybe some of us sitting here today are in that same boat. We're a little disappointed with God. Maybe because of the circumstances we are in what we're dealing with, or the consequences we have in our life. But you see, my friends, you got to understand this. Our disappointment with God often stems from our feelings of being other than. That's what happens. We feel like we're left out, like we're not good enough, and then we get mad at God for it. All because we've been trying to fulfill our God-given needs on everything else but him. I feel when I read the story, Cain was trying to fulfill his needs based upon what he did, and then not giving his best to God, rather than God himself. And we see these deep-rooted emotional needs of mankind constantly play out. And then Cain went off the deep end. He reacted with violence. You know the story, he killed his brother and he, he, this shows a completely distorted view that he had with God and his relationship with God. And maybe we do as well. Because of our circumstances and because we tend to feel other than, then we have this distorted view of God and the relationships in our life and what happens. And we don't see things on reality. We see, see things on our perceived reality of distortions of what we're currently feeling. And whether we realize it or not, we find ourselves in a rivalry with each other to meet those needs just to fit in. We are not in a competition, my friends, with each other for relationships or a relationship with God. But that's the mentality we get. See, God hardwired us for relationships, primarily vertically for a relationship with him. That's how he created us, in the perfection of the garden, to have a relationship with him. But then when that got destroyed and messed up, messed up and conflict came in, then we were on this kind of whirlwind trying to fulfill those needs with all the relationships in our life. But your relationships in your life will never be good until this is good. If this is good, if this is not good, you're going to constantly have problems with the relationships in your life. Why? Why? Because those relationships were never created to be the fulfillment of your heart. But we think we, they were. And we live in a world that says everyone deserves to be loved. And I agree with that. But the problem is this. Where do we receive the love from? We've been led to believe that, the, that we need to be fulfilled by love based upon the relationships in our life. When in reality, God created us to be fulfilled by love by him. And until we find the fulfillment of love that only comes from him, everything else will be messed up. In my journey growing up, I I, I didn't get this for a long time. In fact, I was so scared to be alone. And I tried so hard to find my fulfillment, the fulfillment of my emotional needs based upon other relationships. And I would latch on to bad relationship after bad relationship. And I can promise you if some of those relationships stuck, I would not be here today. But I latched on to them. Why? Because I was scared to be alone. And I felt if I stay in this relationship, it will fulfill that need. I didn't say that. I didn't understand that. But as I look back, that's exactly what was happening. And everything was just horrible. And it wasn't until all those relationships broke off and God forced me to be alone. And I was scared. I was like, this is it. You're alone, Bill. This is your life. And it was in that moment, in that journey, when I realized, Bill, those relationships were never to be what fulfilled you. It's me. And until I realized that in my walk, until I realize He is the one who fulfills. N- nothing else ever worked out. But once I figured that out and walked that, everything else began to fall into place. You know, here's the problem because we tend to feel other than, our frustration with God grows. It just grows. Why? Because. Our needs aren't met. We feel other than. Then we feel we're in rivalry and competition with everybody else to fulfill those needs, to make ourselves feel like we fit in. And then we see God blessing other people. and, other, and we, It's a comparison game, right? Well, look what God's doing in their life. Look what they have where I don't have. You know, you look on Facebook and you think, everybody's life is great and my life is horrible. No, it's not. It's just what they put on Facebook. Right? But you compare it all the time. And because of that, you feel left out. And then before you know it, you get frustrated with God because you're like, God, you love all them, but you don't love me. I think that's maybe what Cain was feeling at that moment. Why why his attitude got the best of him. Why he got so angry with with everything. Why he was so downcast. Because maybe in that moment, he felt left out. Even though God was saying, just because... I'm showing love to Abel does not mean I don't love you. doesn't mean I love you any less. I think some of you guys need to hear this today. God's love for one does not diminish his love for someone else. Let me say that again. God's love for one does not diminish his love for someone else. But because the devil gets into our mind and we compare ourselves with everybody else in our life, we think, God, you're doing this for them. You're not doing it for me. At least that's what we think. And so we think, God, you love them, but you don't love me. And then we get frustrated with him because we don't feel like we fit in. But verse 6 of Genesis 4, God then begins to interact with Cain. Cain, why are you so angry? Why are you so downcast, Cain? What's the problem? What is the problem? Just because I showed favor to Abel in this moment doesn't mean I don't love you. Don't you get it? But because of where his heart was, Cain had a distorted view of reality. And here's what happened. Cain expected God to accept his gift, whatever that may be, whatever the gift may be, based upon his terms, not God's turn. And then when it was not... He got angry. It's almost like, God, you're my vending machine. I want you to love me on my terms how I want it. Don't tell me what to do. And then when God doesn't respond the way that we want him to respond, we get mad at him. We get angry with him. And how often, I've been here, guys, have you been confronted with sin? And you, like Cain, just get overwhelmed with a bad attitude, with bitterness and anger towards God, or maybe even towards that person who's confronting you. I've been there. Why? I don't like to be called out. I don't like to be told, Bill, you're wrong. Why? I want to be right. Don't we all? And before you know it, when we get called out, we f- our heart comes out in anger and bitterness and a bad attitude, and there was Cain. There was Cain. And when we feel other than, we tend to allow our attitude to push us away from doing good. And it's the path we all find ourselves on. I feel like I don't fit in. My heart festers up and all the bad attitude, and the anger, and the disappointment, and that before you know it, it pushes you away from doing what is good. And what we see here play out with with God and Cain is very important for us to understand and to hear. Because sometimes when we make bad choices, we like to point the finger because we don't like to take the blame. Like say, well, if they didn't do this to me, then, then I wouldn't have done this, right? I bet that's where Cain was. I mean, you can see the frustration he had being the servant of the land. I'm here because my daddy did that, and now I'm paying for the consequences of what my dad did. I can just see that play out here. But hear me, guys, and here's the hard truth. Despite the circumstances we face, despite the cards that you've been dealt and I've been dealt, we are still responsible for what we choose and how we respond. We still are. Our circumstances are not a pass to not make good choices. In fact, that's what God told uh, Cain in Genesis 4:47. 4, 4, God told Cain, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. With God's response to Cain, we see here that God assumes that we are able and we are accountable to do what is good despite the circumstances we may be in, despite what may have has happened to us, we're still responsible for what we choose to do and how we choose to respond and we're accountable to it. And God says, if we do good, if we choose good, sin will have no power over us. But Sin is always waiting there for us, always waiting to jump in. And when we start to not to do good, God says sin will begin to consume you. We see this play out throughout all the Bible. In the New Testament, we see it kind of highlighted as strongholds in your life. You want to know how strongholds becomes a stronghold? Right there. Somewhere in your journey, you begin to not to choose to do good. You may begin to make bad choices. We can use whatever excuse we want why we made those choices, but we still made those choices. And then sin begins to consume us and become strongholds in our life. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to Death. How does sin look right? Well, I think exactly what it did for Cain and what it does for so many of us. You know, the path seems right because it meets my needs of affirmation and attention and affection. It, it, it helps me not to feel other than it. It, it maybe helps me fit in. It kind of maybe meets my emotional and internal needs at least for the moment. But it's a mirage. It's all a mirage. That Satan's using to make you think that you now fit in. When in reality, there's destruction on the other side. That's what it says. There's a way that appears right, but in the end it leads to death. Cain allowed his feelings and his emotions to run him down this path, and he allowed his sin to consume him and to make horrible choices. And when sin consumes us, we find ourselves doing things that we never thought we would do, saying things we never thought we would say, treating people how we never thought we would be treated. You know, I just wonder about the relationship between Cain and Abel. I mean, they were brothers, At some point, they're probably playing kickball in the backyard. And what led them to this point, to the point where Cain killed his brother. And you're thinking, okay, Bill, I'm not a murderer. All right, I get that, hopefully. But there's the comparison game. We think, well, I'm not as bad as that dude I saw in 2020 or Dateline. So if I'm not as bad as that guy then I must be okay, right? And then we make ourselves to believe, well, I'm not that bad. That's just a lie. We're all just as bad. Why? Because our choices that walk away from God separate us from God. That's why. That's why. And there we are in that comparison game again constantly trying to make our, compare ourselves to others to try to make our, us feel good. I know we can look at Cain's story and say, well, I'm not a murderer. Yeah, but Jesus said in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, even if you say evil things to other people or about people behind their back, you're just as bad. You're just as guilty. We all have deeper rooted emotional needs every one of us, for the affirmation, attention, affection, and then when those needs aren't met, we feel other than. Let's just be honest with ourselves. At some point, we've all felt that way, and maybe some of you feel that way right now. And more issues arise in our life and in our relationships when we try to fill those needs in other ways that bring conflict with God and conflict for others. And every choice we make has an impact Because we were created, we were hardwired for relationships. See, there's no way getting around this. Our relationship with God impacts our relationship with others. You can't escape that. You can't escape that. Cain destroyed his relationship with his brother. And so many of our relationships in our life are being destroyed because we keep doing the things we feel we need to do to fit in or feel better about ourselves, and we just keep breaking down the relationships in our life rather than pursuing the God who created us to find who we are in him. And when you do that, this begins to work out. So often our relationships are, fra- are, are fractured because our relationship with God is fractured and we need to own up to that. I had to, I continue to have to do that. And so do do we all. This all gets back to the intimate reality of faith. What we read at the beginning of, of of the message, it said that Abel brought his offering to God by faith. And he found that connection with God. Hebrews 11:6 says this, and without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith drives us towards that relationship with God that fixes everything else that meets our needs. You see, my friends, your faith or lack of faith affects everything about you. Everything. We are so hardwired for relationships with God, then with others, that when this is messed up, it without a doubt affects every relationship in our life. Everything. Cain's attitude and view of God in that moment affected how he viewed everything else. And because we go down this path of our needs aren't met, we try to fulfill our needs based upon other things that try to fit in because we feel other than, then our attitude gets changed. And before you know it, we get this distorted view of what's going on. And we view things based upon our perceived of reality, based upon what we feel rather than reality itself. That's where Cain was. And I see, when I see Genesis 4, 6, God saying, Cain, I still love you. But Cain couldn't see that because of his distorted reality of how he perceived things to be. You see, your faith or lack of faith affects how you interpret situations in your life. How you see the things happening around you. Your faith or lack of faith affects your feelings and and what you choose to do and how you choose to respond, which affects everything about you and the relationships in your life. That's the path that we find ourselves on and the cycle we find ourselves in over and over and over again. So what about you? Are you having struggles with the relationships in your life? Do you struggle with feeling other than, like you just don't fit in? like you don't know where you belong, it all circles back to your relationship with Jesus. I'm not gonna say, I'm not saying it's gonna change overnight, but the more you pursue Jesus and find who you are in him rather than what you do, you will see the reality of his blessings in your life and everything else falls into place. If that's you and you need to talk to somebody about, I need help at trying to take the next step. How can I have a better relationship with Jesus? How can I have an encounter with him? What does this mean to follow him, to walk with him, to experience him, to find who I am in him? We would love to talk to you. You can stop by the Engage Impact at the end of the service. There's some great people. Our team would love to talk to you, pray with you. If you're online, reach out to our host right now. and We would love to, to, to help walk you through the next steps of experiencing God in your life. But until you pursue him fully, you will never experience the best that he has in your life in all the relationships that you are. Pursue Jesus and see his best in your life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for all the ways that you've gone before us and all the ways that you've blessed us, Father God. Lord, we know that in the garden, things got so distorted and so broken. We went from an intimate relationship with you to one that got disconnected by our own choices. And Lord God, your desire as you continue to pursue us is for us to experience you. Lord God, help us to be honest with our struggles of maybe feeling left out or feeling other than. And may we find our completeness in you. Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen.